0: Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 24. Acts, chapter 17, verse 24. I'm going to read out of the King James today. I'm going to go back to the King James, and I haven't read from this in a while to you. But I always follow the King James in my private study, and I always couple it with another translation just to get a better broad view of what, what the essence of what that word says sometimes. Sometimes it's too broad where it misses the mark. But so I always stay close to this book and then the new King James. But today we're going to be reading from the King James. It says in verse 24, God that made this world. And all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth life, breath, and all things. And hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on the face of the earth. And hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord. If happily, let's look at that verse right there. If happily, they might feel, everyone say feel, after him. If happily, they might feel after him and find him. That means that you can find him with your feelings. You can find him through your emotion and your feelings though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. So he's going a little bit deeper, and and he's saying this to to the people that it's in him. We move, we live, we have our very being, as certain also of your own prophets had said, for we are also his offspring. We come from him. He's alive, we're alive. But what's really interesting to me is is that when you read this scripture here, he instructs us to feel after God. Feel after God. Now, I want you to pray for the service right now. Will you do that? Will you just stretch out your hands and say, God, bless this word. Let's do it right now. Let's just agree. Father, bless this word today. God, have your way right now. We ask you to bless those that are listening and watching online, those that are watching and listening, God, on YouTube, those that are listening through podcasts. Father, whoever is with us today, bless them. Those that are here present in the church, bless them. Father, we pray, bless me. Let my brain and my mouth stay together with your spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Come on, somebody give the Lord a strong hand clap. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Turn to your neighbor, smile at them, and tell them, get ready. Your feelings are fixing to change. You can be seated. God bless you. I'm going to get right into it, and I'm going to try to meet you where I feel like we're living right now. I feel like throughout the years, I don't know if many pastors would really admit this, but I really feel like throughout the years we've kind of misled the church and the people that we pastor in a sense of, not all not all pastors, not all preachers, but I know, I feel like I've been one of them that have really um, just not really dealt with feelings. We've always, number one, have put faith, and it is supposed to be the first priority. Faith is a priority. Uh, we walk by faith and not by sight, right? So we always reference faith. But then... We have pushed the feelings aside and and we've said things like, uh, don't go by what you feel, go by what you know. How many of you have heard that many times? Don't go by what you feel, go by what you know. I'm going to step back and I'm going to change that. And I feel like God has given us a clear direction how to deal with some things. And one of the directions is don't overlook your feelings, because your feelings can be changed. Your feelings can be altered. Why do you come to church? Or why do you want to watch church? Or why do you uh, go into prayer? Because we want to feel God, right? We want to feel God. The response we have to people... Most of the time is either you feel good or you feel bad or you feel sad. And you do things most of the time because you feel like it or you don't do them because you don't feel like it. We are people who are driven by feelings. Whether we like it or not, we are going to be driven by some type of feeling. Now, true discipline is when you fight the feeling... That's going to be taking away from your objective or your goal, and you do it anyways. That's called discipline. Like exercise, right? I mean, the, the, we really don't want to do stuff like that. Most of the time, we don't feel like it all the time, but there is something unique called endorphins. When you begin to do something physical, you begin to feel the chemical reaction in your body, called endorphins and endorphins makes you feel thankful that you did because now you feel like it right yeah. we force ourselves to feel things and certain states or motives that we've got we have learned how to tap into our natural body and learn how to alter certain feelings and learn how to deal with things but spiritually we've not taken to place the fact that it is god's will to feel after him every day of our life. And he said if we seek after him with all of our heart, he will be found. And finding God, think about this for one moment, finding God in your life isn't just a thought process. Finding God in your life is just not a matter of thinking. It's a matter, are you ready, of feeling him. Feeling him. So I've learned throughout the years that I need to feel him. See, you wouldn't come to church if you didn't feel him here, right? Let's be honest. I wouldn't come to the church if I didn't feel him. I wouldn't pray if I didn't feel him. You see, that's what makes prayer so exciting for us, for me at least. I have prayed many times and not felt him. Then I've analyzed it and wondered, why am I not feeling him? Most of the time, it's due to my thinking. Due to my thinking. And so I have a routine. I'll read the word, get my mind back aligned with him, then go back to prayer and talk to him. Then I begin to feel him. That's why the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord. Waiting takes time shall what? Renew their strength. Hold on a second. Strength. That's something you feel, right? Have you ever said, I feel strong? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run. Can I ask you a question? Do you feel like running right now? right? You don't feel like running, but something has to make you feel like running. No one runs just because they don't feel like you're driven by something. It causes action. Action that is caused by emotion or a state of mind that leads to that. Sometimes we'll do it out of sheer discipline, but again, then we begin to feel it. But God said, For those who wait on me, I'm going to give you the ability to run and to walk and to not faint. These are things that God begins to do in our life. It all begins right here. I read a book, and I'm reading a book right now that's called Words Can Change Your Brain. And, and And it really relates to our chemical makeup. So I go back to the fundamentals, and I begin to look at how we're made how and what happens in our body. And in this book, it says that um, a single word has the power to influence the expression of genes that regulate physical and emotional stress. That regulate physical and emotional stress. Positive words such as peace, love, can alter the expression of genes, strengthening areas in our frontal lobes. And promoting the brain's cognitive functioning, they propel the motivation centers of the brain into action. According to the authors and what they said in this book, that hostile language, negative words, can also disrupt specific genes that play a vital role in production. Stress is what we call it. Humans are hardwired to worry. It's easy for us to worry. We worry very quickly. It's easy for us to fear. It's easy for us to go and get frustrated. The part of our brains that we have that's protecting these threats goes into survival mode sometimes. And it's our natural reaction to give in to these feelings. However, a single negative word can increase The area of our brain called the amygdala. The amygdala is the very center of where all these stress hormones are released, and you begin to feel and function after fear and after a a feeling, and you're driven to it, which causes you and I to recluse, to hide ourselves, to not be engaged, to stop taking action. And then we become defensive instead of having a good offense in our life and moving forward. Many times what happens is is that we hear words. We hear news reports. We hear people talking negatively out of fear, out of worry. And we adopt the mindset and the same thought by listening and embracing, and we try and we generate the same chemical reaction. Now, I know this isn't this health and science class, but the truth is, we have to know how the body works because we are body, soul, and spirit, and the spirit man affects our body and our minds. But it wasn't God's will for us to live in. Fear, it's a feeling. It's a feeling. Yeah. Anger, it's a feeling. Yeah. Worry, it's a feeling. And some of us have gotten used to those feelings of frustration, offenses, anger. That we live by that kind of, of that fruit in our life. I want you to think about this just for one moment. What feelings have you had for the past week or two or month? Most of America right now has been living under the feelings of fear, worry. So I started to ask myself this question. I'm sure maybe you have as well. Are feelings... Related to truth. Not all of them. Sometimes because something feels right doesn't mean it is right, right? Am I right? So so the scripture says that our heart can be misleading as well. So I had to ask myself, what does God feel like or what does God think in this moment? So I know there are two types of me. The Bobby that feels God and is being led by God and the Bobby that walks in his flesh and allows his feelings to go rampant. I don't like this guy. I like this other guy better. Because this other guy, during times of trouble, says nothing's too hard for God. Not because he feels that he is capable, but he knows that God is capable. The other guy says oh, my God, what are we going to do? And doesn't know where the answer is. This guy knows where the answer's at. And he's calm. He is stable. He is focused. He is intentional. And he goes out and does something about it by faith, and God honors those works because faith without works is dead. Yeah. See, faith alters your emotion, but it starts right here. And you can feel a certain way and not want to do anything or take any kind of action. So the the negative words affect us, but the right words can affect us also. And then you can see some changing and a transformation that brings health to your bones and, and strength to your spirit. And then you start looking at how many words do we actually say in a day? And I looked it up. The average person, it says, according to... Different studies says that the average person speaks about 7,000 words a day. Now, I realize there are some people that maybe speak 10 words a day. There are just some people that may speak (laughs) 20,000 a day, right? But the average person that's in the job, working, dealing with people, on the phone, whatever they're doing, about 7,000. The question we have to ask ourselves is, how many of those words in the day included God's word coming out of our mouth? How many of those words within the day caused a negative reaction uh, were words that were totally contrary to the truth of what God has said and conveyed the message to us to live by? The hope that's in Christ. The God is not a figment of our imagination. He is not, uh, Jesus is not a character that you had when you were little and you colored on in a book. Jesus is not a historical figure. He is God. He, Jesus is God man. He is both God and man. He is spirit. He's alive and he's resurrected and he lives in our life and he is in our heart and he is more than what we know, but he has a thought and an opinion about it. And through the Holy Spirit, he wants to speak through the Spirit of God he wants to say some things he has something to say so you got to stop sometimes and look back and wonder how many words throughout my week throughout my day have come out of my mouth that is responsible for the state and the attitude that I'm in right now. What words have been coming out in conversation or who's been talking to me? And I realized that I believe my words far more than I would anybody else's. So when it's affected my thinking, when you've watched too much of the news, I mean, you got to stay in the know, right? But man, sometimes you can just watch too much of it and hear nothing but the but the bad reports. But sometimes you need to hear the good reports. Because there are more people that are being healed from the virus right now. More people that are getting better from the virus right now. More than anybody else is talking about right now. There are people that aren't just painting statues and knocking them down right now. They are literally joining with the police academy with the police forces right now. And they are literally joining in prayer and praying together and uniting together. It's happening. In the country, there are some good things coming out of this, but all we're focusing on right now is the bad. And we're being reprogrammed in our mind to function from fear. And right now, God wants us to alter that kind of thinking to alter it and go back to the book and realize that he is the God of yesterday, today, and forever, and he changes not. That he's the God of the valley and God of the mountains. He's the God who sees us through our bad times and the God who always is there in the good times. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above. I saw a news broadcast from a commentator who said to his audience, he said that you don't need God to make a difference in your world. You can do it on your own. I disagree with that, and I I normally don't get into the topics and talk about politics or deal with this kind of stuff, but I realize that this platform, and I have a responsibility, has an influence in your life, and I want to tell you, every good and perfect gift does come from above, from the Father of lights, from the Lord who has paid a price and done something for you and I, and there is something that can change. Some things can change. When they change right here, nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible to him that believeth, to him that believeth, and the scripture says if we speak. To the mountains. What is a mountain? A mountain more or less is something that stands between you and your destiny. Between you and the place God has called you to. And Jesus said if you have the faith of a mustard seed and you speak to that problem or to that circumstance. He said He would remove it from our path. He would move it. But we don't say anything. We don't let it out. Everyone's afraid to say the good things, the faithful things. And you can't be afraid right now to voice your faith in God. Somebody say amen. 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 Come on, somebody. Do you believe that? The problem isn't and is not that no one's talking. The problem is we're not saying the right thing. And when we give in to everything else and we say the things that are most fearful of and the things that, that cause us to be terrified and things that cause us to worry and things that are there that darken our life, I'm going to tell you, nothing changes. You become stale. You become stagnant. You don't move. You don't get things done. You don't look at from a a perspective that's optimistic, you look from a perspective that's pessimistic, and you start to wonder and reason within yourself, is this the end? This is it. Folks, this is not it. God is greater than darkness and evil and every emotion that other people may have in their life. Our Jesus is stronger and greater and overcame the odds and some things that were worse than what we're dealing with right now. He went through the crucifixion in his life so you can rise up in your life and see him do something great. I'm just trying to encourage you. I had to ask myself how many scriptures have come out of my mouth because the word of God is true and it will last until... It it will will be tested by this world and tested by ideologies, philosophies, um, theology. It will be tested by so many minds and great thinkers, what we think are great thinkers. And I gotta tell you, That his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. It's higher than ours. The word of God is everlasting. It will outlast someone else's opinion. It will outlast someone else's anger. It will outlast people's emotions. The word of God can alter our life. I realize no matter how progressive we become in the church, there are some things that don't need to change, and the Word of God is one of them. We have to love the Word of God. That Bible is not just any book. It is the book. It is. In it are the words inspired by the Holy Spirit as it came on men, he They wrote what the Lord was speaking through them, and it's been verified and validated scripture upon scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, and kings and nobles have believed in the word. And this very country was built on the word of God by believers and men who stood for what was right. And those principles should never ever change. We are standing on the word of God in this hour. And because we're standing on the word of God, we won't be moved, we won't be shaken, we won't fall behind, we're not gonna be left behind. We are going to be here until Jesus comes. Do you feel what I'm dropping? Are you picking it up? Oh my gosh. This is the challenge. The only point I'm giving you today is this. I love getting excited in church, by the way. I do. It's funny because when I go to baseball games or go to basketball games and I'm there and everyone's roaring, I'm sitting down and I'm just watching. I don't think I've ever stood up because someone hit a three-pointer. I don't think I have ever stood up because I've seen someone hit a home run. I was fascinated by it, but I really wasn't moved by it. Maybe I'm just not that big of a fan. I don't know. Maybe I'm different. All I know is, is that when I'm in church and I feel the Holy Ghost hitting a home run and ministering to people and giving us the feeling that we had not would never have the privilege of feeling had he not went to the cross and rose again. When I see Jesus change lives, I get loud. I get excited. I want somebody to go along with me. I want to kind of tell them, hey, wake up. Jesus is doing something right now, and he's doing something great. Somebody, are you with me this Sunday morning? I'm telling you, he's alive. He's working in your life. you got to get your emotion involved because this is an experience that involves feelings. Feelings. You can change your feelings. Number one, the Holy Spirit wants to control our feelings. The Holy Spirit wants to control our feelings, but He can't until we control our thinking. God never designed the assembling of his people to come together just to be quiet. And quite honestly, just to sit down. It wasn't like that when you read the Old Testament. Even in the Old Testament, praise and worship was exuberant. In the Old Testament, praise and worship was exuberant. It was expressive. Psalms 150 says, Let everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. He went through everything that was that was a, a drum to a cymbal and then the horn. And he began to express how worship. the the praise of God needs to be lifted up. He said how the praises of God, he dwells among them. He dwells among the praises of his people. Uh, he said, praise him with the tin barrel and dance Uh, uh, expression. In other words, an expression of worship an expression. And that's feeling that's there. This is a movement of feeling. It is. I've realized throughout the year and, and throughout the, not just this year, but, but, but just, I'm telling you, uh, Recently, I feel like I've had an awakening in, in this concept because it's not really a concept more than it is a principle that I need to feel him every day. That if I feel down, I, can, I don't have to stay down. I can get back up by thinking differently, speaking differently, acting differently. And when I didn't feel that way, now I feel that way because I've released the spirit of God inside of me to do what he does best. And that's give life. Give life. Give life. I want to live. I don't want to be dead. First of all, I'm a Latino, so I'm very passionate, right? I mean, anybody in any race, any culture can be passionate, but, but to me, Mexicans are like crazy passionate about silly things, right? I don't know what that is. I don't know how God made us all. I mean, I don't know. They're just me. You haven't seen anything crazy until you been to a Rivera Family Reunion. <laughs> Been around my family. In my house, my house, we're loud. We talk loud. We talk during movies. We don't stay quiet during We laugh and make fun of the movie. We're a big distraction in the movies. Do you ever go to a movie with me or watch one with me? I'm, I'm going to talk. I mean, I can't help it. I'm going to make fun of something. We're going to laugh. We're going to have a good time, so... Just the way I am, I can't help it. And some of you are the same way, no matter what culture you're from, no matter what race you are. You have your passion about things, you, you're passionate about certain things in your life and your culture. But in the kingdom of God, God wants all of his children to express. Uh, and to get involved in his presence and to tap into the presence of God by lifting your hands, by speaking his word, by singing praises, by saying amen when there's something good, the preacher says, even if it isn't good, say amen anyways because it makes us feel better. Thank you. Amen. There's one, two, anyone else? Three. So, you know, there is just an emotional involvement. I have to feel him every day. That's not being selfish. That's taking advantage of the opportunity that he gave us when he went on the cross and died. The scripture says that the temple was rent into two from top to bottom, and he said that his presence was poured out Upon all flesh. And I'm going to tell you on that day. In the day of Pentecost. When it happened. It wasn't a quiet event. It was a loud one. They were baptized in the spirit. And they were heard all around. Where people came and congregated. Because they were they were curious. And they said. These people are drunk. Wait a minute. What were they doing to give them the impression that they had been drunk? They were engaging with the Spirit of God and they were speaking in a language and they were expressing themselves That's why Riverside Church can never be a dry church, folks. Riverside Church can never, ever, if it ever, ever, goes into that place where all we've become is just a bunch of, uh, of, of people who, who want the word without an experience, I promise you, I pray to God that God would send his presence down and shake us to the very core of who we are to wake us up, to get us off of our feet, to get us on our, I'm telling you, to stand up in a place where we can experience him and worship him, not be weird, There are just some weird stuff that happens sometimes. Let me just tell you, there are just some weird things. There is a balance in there where you can express what God is feeling and what God is saying. You can feel His presence and you can engage with it. And people know when you've gone past the Spirit of God and got into your flesh. People know because if it's God, it's not weird. If it's God, it doesn't distract. If it's God, it builds up. It gets us focused. It gets us into his presence, not away from his presence. He becomes the one that's focused on not you. But Peter stood up and said, hey, these people aren't drunk. He said, this is that was been spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit out. But when God poured his spirit out, he changed their language and they spoke something different. They were saying things that we're magnifying God. That's the correlation. We've missed it. We've separated the Spirit of God from our words and not recognized that God uses our words to build us up and to give us a different identity. It's what comes out of your mouth. Jesus said to the disciples, when you read the gospel There was a moment when the disciples came in and they didn't wash their hands. The Pharisees, they were upset about it. They said, hey, why didn't your disciples wash their hands? Jesus said, because it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles or makes a person to be dirty. It's what comes out of their mouth that defiles them. He said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's what causes them to take on another state. A state of peace. A state of confidence, a state of being in his presence, a state of faith. Something changes when we talk the right way. Something changes, something, we feel something shift in our very being when we say the right words. I'm gonna tell you something. You know, I was talking about engaging. Well, can you? Uh, that's what happens with the Holy Ghost. Whenever we say the right words and he's in agreement with us, something becomes alive inside of us. You remember when Mary went to Elizabeth's house and when she walked into the room and, and when she walked in, something inside of Elizabeth just began to leap up and down for joy and the next thing that happened was Elizabeth began to prophesy over Mary. You remember that? That's what happens when you get around the right people and they say the right things. You got to choose who you're going to lose if you're going to win. Or you have to choose what you're going to say if you're going to change some things. No matter how you feel right now, no matter what's being said right now, you and I have a choice and we have to choose what's right and say it and speak it if not to anyone else, to ourselves. Every day, This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in this day. I'm going to receive something from God today. I am part of His family. I am part of a kingdom. I have the God of glory, the one who created the heavens and the earth in my life. And nothing can stop me from seeing my destiny, my purpose in life, my family saved, my children saved. I am not going to fall for failure I'm going to lean to success Proverbs chapter 13 verse 2 says and I close with this come on up a man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth but the soul of the unfaithful feeds violence that's exactly what we have going on right now listen let me read it again a man shall eat well by the what the fruit of where his mouth, what we say, we get used to. You know, there are certain people that like to simply eat bitter stuff. They're used to it, certain words, certain attitudes. They're, they've been living off of it. Watch, let me show you this. A man's stomach shall be satisfied by the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled You're filled with what comes out of your mouth. Proverbs 18 and 21, you know this one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. That means we become infatuated, and we fall in love with what comes out of our mouth, and we get feelings from it. We live from it. So I took my son, my youngest son, to get a snow comb a couple of weeks ago. He had a buddy with him, and I told him I was going to, take him to get a snow comb and I got my order in got my cherry snow comb with ice cream in the middle <clears throat> my son got his coconut blue coconut whatever it is dinosaur or something and then his friend said I want pickle juice <laughs> with lime like, like lime salt sprinkled on it too I didn't say anything. I said, are you sure? Like, you know what that tastes like? And he got it and he, I was watching him because I wanted to see what kind of facial expression he was gonna make and he took a scoop of it, put it in his mouth, didn't make, his eyes didn't squint, his face didn't pucker up, he just loved it. And I thought, man, that's just weird. Let me have some of that stuff, boy. Took a little thing of it, put it in my mouth, it was the nastiest thing I have ever put in my mouth in my life. Made me pucker up. Made me feel, you know, that you ever seen a little baby, little baby boy, little girl takes their first lemon? You now they bite it and they just kind of. Some people are used to bitter words and they love it and they live by it. But you can change that state. You can change the state of what you're feeling by what you begin to confess out of your mouth. By what you begin to put into your mind. By what you begin to pray. See, when you go into prayer, God doesn't want to hear so much information about your problem. I'm just going to be honest with you. Read the Bible. (laughs) He knows what the problem is. What he really wants to know, do you know the solution? And He gives it away by saying He is the solution. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? He said, I am the shepherd. I am the door. I am the bread of life, okay? There are so many, so many roads that lead to Jesus being the answer that He's made it so easy for us, but it's so hard when you don't feel it. It's so hard when you don't feel it. But what I'm trying to tell you is this, and I close with this right here. I want you to read this statement. If you alter your thinking, release the word, you will feel the Holy Spirit take control. And that's how simple it is. You have to trust that he's going to change it.